share with me and get to know me. Working within it so that you can trust You gotta them. be able to produce things. And I'll tell you why that production is so important. But before we go that, how do you use those two pieces of equipment? And you- success is not necessarily financial, but success is when you feel fulfilled in what you're doing. And then to other women, they need to know their value, their worth. But, but I believe um, everything that you put your mind to and you achieve is success. Give us um, all the stuff. Okay, I'll answer all 16 of those questions right now. I started uh, in the music business at Sony while I was still... My name is Renee Hastings, and I'm your host of Renee Speaks. Y'all, I am so excited about today's guest. He is phenomenal. Today's guest is a certified John Maxwell leadership training coach who's experienced with marketing communications, and he's a trainer and a speaker. He has a real passion for helping his clients learn how to craft their expertise into a compelling presentation. He helps them convey their passion, connect with their audience, and lead with the influence of strong relationships. He provides training as a keynote speaker, breakout session facilitator, small group or corporate group trainer, a group coach, one-on-one coach, and a long-term personal mentor. After serving in the U.S. Air Force as a firefighter, Our guest spent the next 20 years in advertising sales, corporate marketing communications, and in media, serving political candidates, helping startup companies and Fortune 50 companies like Winning End Strategies, Verizon, Jobs.com, and Faith and Family Magazine. Y'all, it is my absolute honor and privilege to introduce to you Lauren Norris! <laughs> How are you? Uh-oh, we can't hear you, Lauren. Something happened to your mic. I am so excited to be here. I appreciate the invitation. I'm honored to be a part of the show. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for accepting our invitation When I saw you on screen, I was blown away. I was like, this is someone I have got to know. I've got to meet him. I've got to learn how he does what he does because it is so impactful. My life was changed in in like a minute of listening to your video. Um, And it's right on your website. And I'm like, how have I not seen this before? All of our video watchers, people watching online and people listening on the podcast, they need to know Lauren Norris. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. So I guess to get us uh, started and just kicking us off right away. So uh, 
tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I shared a brief bio of how you kind of got to where you are, but we're talking about our own personal stories and yes. the impact that they have in our relationships and in building relationships and communicating our um, interests or needs or desires or whatever that looks like. So when you think about that, how does sharing your own personal story help your business grow? I mean, what is what is when I think of sharing a personal story, I don't exactly automatically go to sharing my personal story as a tool for growing my business. Can you help us understand that a little bit better? Absolutely. How about if I answer your question with a story? Absolutely. I'd love it. <laughs> so I walk around the corner and I find my mom there on her knees her face buried in the urinal in the same middle school where I grew up. I looked at her and I said, mom, let's go to dinner. And she looked back at me and she said, well, I got to finish this bathroom and the one in the West Wing, and then we can go. I said, mom, why are you doing that? She said, well, you know, this is my job. And I said, yeah, but why are you doing that? She said, son, you know, I dropped out of high school. I never graduated. This is the best job I'll ever have. And I said, no, mom, that's a story. That's a lie that you've been telling yourself. And the sad part is you've lived your life believing it. Well, we ended up not having dinner that night. In fact, we didn't have much of a conversation after that. She was big mad. The Air Force sent me off to Honduras for the next six months. And while I was gone, I got a phone call in Honduras from my aunt, my mom's little sister. She had never called me at work before that. And she hasn't called me at work since then. But when I got that phone call, I ran to the fire from the fire department to the uh, phone base and I answered the phone. And I said, hello. And she said, hey, this is your aunt. And I said, is everything OK? She said, well, you know, that conversation you had with your mom, it was really hard on her. I said, oh, OK, is she OK? She said, well, you know, she cried for days, but then we talked about it and she decided she did want to go back to school, but they wouldn't let her get her high school diploma. And I was like, oh, man they wouldn't let her get her GED. Oh, man. So what do they want? She said, well, actually, the school counselor came in who handles all the adult education. And he said, if you will fight for your high school diploma, I will convince them to bridge your retirement from your years as a janitor toward your teacher's retirement if you'll also go back and get your degree in teaching. Oh. Well, she did. She graduated from college the same month she turned 50 years old. She spent the next 15 years working in the Challenger High School and living out a life that demonstrated to these other kids who'd been kicked out of school for discipline problems, for grade problems, for other life problems. And she said, you can rewrite your story. You can have a better life than this. And she saw many of those kids go on to their college degrees, go on to their military careers and ROTC because she refused to let them believe the story they'd been told. She spent the rest of her life until retirement rewriting the story of young people to give them a greater hope. So here I stand 25 years later, and I'm looking back on that moment in time and I have the same ambition to finish her project, to help people realize the story you're telling yourself is not the end of your destiny. I built a business around the idea that the story you're telling yourself is not your destiny. We can rewrite that story. We can rewrite your future and we can change the way you live and do business by simply changing the stories that you tell yourself. If you will transform your story, then you can transform your life and that will transform your business. 
Wow. I could not have asked for a better response than that. Your mom is truly an inspiration. My hero. Truly inspiration. And the the foundation of your company and what you do reminds me of a guest that we had on the show recently. And someone had told her um, something that was pretty crushing. And she said, one of my goals is to outlive the lie. Absolutely. The lie that she had tried to make her believe she wasn't good enough and she wasn't going to ever achieve the things that she thought should, that she'd be able to achieve. And here you are building an entire business around outliving the lie and allowing your personal story, your personal journey to be the motivation that makes a difference in not only your life, but the that was a response. It was wonderful. But Lauren, what if somebody isn't proud of their story or they have a hard time sharing their story or maybe they're embarrassed by where they've been? How do you overcome that to actually weave it into a business success strategy? So there's really a couple of different ways to approach that. Number one, I tell my clients, your life story is not the answer to what is my story. It is a part of it, but really nobody wants to hear the soliloquy. I mean, the, the truth is when people deliver their memoirs and you hear the every everything from beginning to end from I was born at a very young age till this is what happened to me yesterday, all of the ups and downs on the roller coasters, those are not the things that we learn from. What we learn from is a teachable moment. What we learn from is a story that we can look at and go, wait a minute, I felt just like that. Maybe the scenario wasn't even exactly the same, but the emotional response was very similar. No, I can tell stories like I spent 25 years addicted to pornography. Well, if I told you the whole story of how it happened and what started the addiction, et cetera, et cetera, there's a space where that makes a difference. The, the books that I've written on helping people overcome that addiction, uh, it's a profound part of one segment of our business. But it by itself isn't going to change anybody's life. It's the moments in that where the aha happened and I went, oh, yeah, like that. And then other people go, oh, well, I never really thought about it like that. But see, that doesn't have to be your whole life story. It doesn't have to be the contrast of I started off young and I grew up old and somewhere along the way I got smart. It's every teachable moment. And in all honesty, most of those moments can be told in two minutes or less if they're selected properly and crafted well. Wow. Well, I certainly cannot wait to learn more about that. Yes, it absolutely helps. It, it really does. Because um, as you said, it's not about where you've been. It's how you craft the words to talk about where you are and where you want to go. That's kind of what I, I I'll give you. I'll give you another example of a story, true stories. I encourage all of my clients, don't use somebody else's anecdotes. Don't use somebody else's stories or jokes unless it's just to get a punchline because nine times out of 10, you're going to deliver it just a little bit off and it's going to damage your credibility. Yeah. The worst thing you can ever do is to tell a story that other people have heard from somebody else and they know it's not your story. And then to fabricate that into making it sound like it's your story, you lose all credibility when you do that. There's no win. 
Absolutely. I, Absolutely. Let me tell you this true story. So I was about 15 or 16 years old, not quite old enough to drive, didn't have my own car yet. But my buddy and I, we wanted to get an old clunker and fix it up. We were literally willing to buy one out of the junkyard just to have something to work on. And so we saw this listing in the paper where a guide said, I've got 50 acres of land to clear and I'm looking for anybody who wants to come do it, come, come give it a shot. And so my mom drove my buddy and I 25 miles out to this guy's land. We showed up there, just us two teenagers in our work clothes. Mm -hmm. And when we got there, he looked at us, the landowner, and he said, so where's your tools? And we looked at each other like, tools? We're supposed to bring tools? He said, uh, he said, usually people come out here with a brush hog and they've got a, you know, a tractor with a mower on the back of it or something. What are you guys going to work with? And we just looked at each other with a clueless look again. He said, well, I have a chainsaw and a couple of axes. You can get started with that, I guess. Mm -hmm. And we looked at each other and neither one of us were safe with a chainsaw. So we said, okay, we'll just take your axes. Uh -huh. About three hours in the August sun in central Texas, we decided we hadn't chopped down one whole cedar tree yet. And there was still 50 acres to go. Oh, no. <laughs> we went back to the old guy and said, you know, you don't owe us anything but a glass of tea. And we're going to call our mom and, and get out of here because obviously this job is way over our head. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I learned from that in business. When you're hiring someone, whether they're an employee on your team, a contractor for work that you need to get done, or you're hiring a professional to handle the task, mm -hmm. if they can't tell you up front the tools that are going to need to accomplish the task, the amount of time it's going to take to do it and what it's going to cost, then you have an incompetent service provider who just simply oh, cannot get the job done. Mm. As a leader, part of your responsibility is to know what it takes to get the job done right. See, the old guy could have seen us pulling up in one car and three of us climbing out and going, these two boys are not cut out for the task. <laughs> they don't right. have the right tools. They don't have the right training. And they're frankly clueless. Right. But he gave right. us a shot. How many times, though, do we find ourselves in a place as a leader where we're not willing to call somebody out and go, I just I don't think you're competent for the job. Now, I'm willing to train you, but the pay is going to be a lot less. I think you have the right attitude, but you're a long way from the right aptitude. So let me train mm -hmm. you to the aptitude and then you'll be more valuable to me and for your next opportunity. As a leader, we should be willing to make that statement and be clear about it without offending somebody. Now, I can start a story like that with the punchline of, as a leader, you've got to know when to call people out for their incompetence. If I just made the bullet point in my speech, as a leader, you've got to call people out for their incompetence, everybody's fur would be in a tussle. Right. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. But when I start talking about my own mistakes as a kid and the stupid things that I've done, whether it's in my marriage or in my business or the, the bad mistakes I've made trying to run a business, those are mistakes that other people can learn from. And I had an old redneck uncle who said to me one time, a smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from everybody else's. <laughs> and he was right. Yes. It's a whole lot less of a learning curve to watch somebody else make a mistake and go, well, I ain't doing it like that. Right. <laughs> right. I, I love that. What great advice. And, and the fact that you can tie in your own story build your own credibility because it is your own testimony that you are sharing. Um, it really does make a difference um, when you're having to give guidance and give direction instead of being like, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. Then it's like, wait a minute. Okay. Let me help you understand. Right. This was my situation. 
I learned this valuable lesson. Don't make my same mistakes. You, this is uh, positioning you to be 10 steps ahead of the game because you're going to avoid all of these pitfalls that I already went yeah. through <laughs> and I'm sharing with you <laughs> to help you get ahead. So that is genius, just absolute brilliance. And I love it. Love it so much. Thank you for that. So as you have been on your journey, learning and developing your craft, what would you say is some of the best advice that you ever received that you would like to share with the audience? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I started studying John Maxwell when I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. I was in the Air Force. I was raised the only son of a single mom. I had no male influence in my life. Didn't know what being a man even really was supposed to look like. I got into basic training and kind of got whipped into shape about being responsible and reactive and, and all that kind of stuff. But as I was reading uh, the, the book by John Maxwell called Becoming a Person of Influence, there were a lot of things in there that kind of bent my ears back, so to speak. Right at the same time, though, I read Bringing Up Boys by James Dobson. And I read uh, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Mm -hmm. From James Dobson, I learned that as great as my mom was, as much of my hero as she was, a great mom can't dad. It takes a dad to do that. Um, I learned from Wild at Heart that there are some things that are naturally born in me that I spent most of my life avoiding that I needed to learn to capitalize on and take advantage of the fact that it's the way I was wired from birth. I wasn't made to be a cat or a fish or a bird. I was made to be a young male human. That's and right. as such, there were some expectations of me and some natural proclivities in me that should be capitalized on and not suppressed. Hmm. From John Maxwell becoming a person of influence, I, I love one of his quotes that says, see everyone as a 10. And it's mm -hmm. challenging sometimes, especially as a leader, because you do have those people on your team that you're looking at them going, you don't have the tools and you don't have a clue. Right. And I'm not going to waste any more time or money on you. But seeing mm -hmm. everybody as a 10 is a principle that says, I look at everybody and I see them in their best light of their potential. Because mm -hmm. I know that they were made for something special. Maybe this job isn't it but they are made for something special. And so to mock them, to ridicule them, to de demean them, to speak ill of them, well, that's destructive, both for them and for me. That's a story nobody needs to hear. I remember growing up on food stamps and potato soup. I remember hearing people say, yeah, probably nobody in your family are gonna go to college until my mom did at 50. And then my sister did and became valedictorian in high school. I never went to the traditional college route, but I've spent just about as much learning from people like John Maxwell, Grant Cardone, Dale Carnegie, Pete Vargas. The list goes on and on. I never stopped studying and I never stopped putting myself in a place to learn something else. That would be my key piece of advice. No matter where you are in life, you have not figured it all out. I don't care if you're the CEO of the world, you have not figured it all out. So humble right. yourself a little bit and find out something else you need to learn, because I'll guarantee you there is something else you need to learn. Absolutely. Oh, so well said. What fantastic advice. We There's always opportunities to grow and to learn and to do more and be better. Um, and I love the advice to see everyone as a 10 in their potential. Um, it is so valuable to, to look at people that way instead of, you know, being negative and, 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 you know, putting them down. I mean, that just, that negative energy just is no, there's no need for it. There's no room for it. 
Um, no, I just no good to come of it. No good can come of it. Absolutely not. Yeah, see everyone as a 10. I love that. That is truly, it, and it's not only good for them, but it's good for you as you change your mindset and perspective on who people are and why they operate in the way that they do. And I think too, it's even, it could be a challenge to you to figure out, okay, well, how can I best reach them where they are? You know, and so then you have to think, you know, for your own self and, and develop and, and hone your own skills. Well, if this particular way didn't reach them, well, maybe I should try this other thing, which is still more growing and learning opportunity. You know, I raised two sons. I My, my boys now are 24 and 26 years old. Uh, my girls are 27 and 34. Mm. But when my boys were little, they were in that stage, like most boys, they kind of went through the phase of, I'm, you know, mama's boy, and now trying to learn what it means to be a man. And in that phase, they began to put on their physique, playing football, and they got big enough to break things. And, you know, when they got into a tussle, they could tear up furniture or tear up the house, and you had to be cautious about that. <laughs> right. But early on, we built a relationship where my scolding of them was a single word. Mm. And it's based on that principle. See, everyone is a 10. Dale Carnegie says it a different way. He says, give everyone a fine reputation to live up to, mm -hmm. and they will. Yes. And so I set that principle for my boys early on when they were six, seven, eight years old. I would say, gentlemen. And what they knew that meant was you're not behaving to the expectations that I have for you. You're yelling at each other. You're taking toys from each other. You're throwing things at each other. You're being mean to your sisters. You're being rude to your neighbors. Gentlemen, don't do that. And I'm raising you to be gentlemen. And I can tell you to this day, when they're having a moment with each other, as brothers tend to do, at more than two decades old, grown men with their own full-time jobs and management positions, mm -hmm. when they get at it, I have the same correction. Gentlemen, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember what the expectations of you are and live up to that expectation. I think Dale Carnegie gave us some great advice with that. And I've seen it work even with absolute strangers. Mm. To call someone by a name of respect and endearment when they know they haven't earned it and don't deserve it. Right. It can be an encouragement, but can also be a target too far that they look at and go, no one's ever seen me as a gentleman. No mm -hmm. one's ever told me that I have a sweet voice. No one's ever told me that I have a powerful presence. Right. And by simply making those declarations over them, you draw them to something they've never experienced and invoke something in them they've never known before. Yes, that is so, so true. So true. And it is an easy way to de-escalate a situation. Most of the time it is. <laughs> yeah, truly, truly. I, I love Dale Carnegie, as you may have uh, read in my bio. I was a Dale Carnegie leadership training coach. And Me just too. watching... Um, the transformation in people's lives when they yeah. learn the principles of, you know, of Dale Carnegie's um, and put them to practice in their own lives. Um, we had an experience where one lady came into the class. It was like a maybe a 10 or 12 week class. She came in, she was so meek and so timid. You could hardly hear a word she said. And she just kind of walked around all, you know, shrugged up like this, like she didn't want anyone to see her. And then by the end of this course, 
this woman was speaking with authority and standing up tall and you could hear every single word she had to say. Because what she at the present, she said, I want to be a Dale Carnegie leadership training coach. Where do I sign up? And it was one of the most fantastic experiences of that entire time. Just to be a part of that and be on that journey with her was such a rewarding time. So I am living proof. (laughs) Dale Carnegie works. John Maxwell works. John Vargas works. It all. We can never stop learning and, 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 and growing and being better and doing better and learning how to get better at sharing our stories so Absolutely. T- so tell us then so if we want to get better i know you offer a service and it is called the story power Masterclass. yes can you tell us a little bit more about that lauren so the story power Masterclass. Uh, I-, I have to give all credit to dale carnegie the two-minute report what he calls the magic formula was kind of the spark in my mind that caused me to go into that I too spent uh, almost six years coaching the Dale Carnegie program. Now, I was asked several times to take over the franchise, but I don't have a degree, so they couldn't allow that. But uh, with the Story Power Masterclass, what we do is kind of go into the psychology. I study people like Daniel Amen and uh, uh, Caroline Leaf and Bruce Lipton and others on how we persuade uh, Robert Caldini, how we persuade people. And the sales psychology that you hear from somebody like a Grant Cardone or a Gary Vaynerchuk. And so all of that kind of swirled together into the two-minute magic formula says the first thing we've got to do is, in the moment, recognize who we're talking to and select the right story to tell. When we don't choose the right story, we find that there's no resonance. So if we're trying to connect with somebody emotionally, we've got to choose the right story to tell. Here's the challenge for a lot of people. They want to tell their life story, that, that mega story. And that mega story doesn't support them the way that it could, because it sounds like the whole curve. And there are going to be moments where people go, oh, I resonate with that. Oh, no, that didn't happen to me. Oh, yeah, I get it. No, no, no. And so you get this emotional roller coaster that doesn't connect. It really distracts more than anything else. So story selection, just like the two-minute report, allows you to come back to the place and say, okay, here's what's important about the story that I'm about to tell. Now, I want to make sure that the people I include in the story look like the people I'm talking to. And I don't just mean visually look like. I mean, there are similarities between them. The story that I tell will then connect with those people because they see themselves in the story. That means that they automatically come to the subconscious conclusion that, well, if that person in the story, who apparently was a lot like me, got that kind of result, I will too. And if that's an encouragement then that's a positive thing for them. If it's a negative warning, it's a harsh warning for them to go, well, if that person just like me had this this experience and it was tragic, I don't want to repeat that. So there's the lesson that we learned from somebody else's mistake. So selecting the story that we tell involving the audience, that is where we absolutely have to start. So in the Story Power Masterclass, we probably spend, well, I'll put it this way. In the 28 videos in the online course, it's six hours worth of content. In the 28, 29 videos with the freebie, those 28 videos, probably 16 of those are in the story craft and stagecraft part because 
the bulk of what we do is picking the right story and telling it well. So story selection, story crafting, and then stage crafting. How do we actually present it? What words do we use? What words do we skip? How do we not offend people unintentionally? How do we, here's an odd one, avoid word pictures and employ the co-opted anthememe instead. That's about a 40 minute teaching in the workshop <laughs> because it's so profound when you see the contrasted difference between those two strategies. Uh, then we talk about how do we connect emotionally? How do we identify through observation skills who it is we're talking to and what's going to move them the most? And then finally, we lead the narrative. That's part number four. And leading the narrative is about, well, as Stephen Covey said, begin with the end in mind. If you don't know where you want to take someone, if you haven't already seen the vision of what the penthouse looks like, you don't know how to build the foundation of your story to begin with, which means you're going to be making a presentation that may make you feel better. It's very cathartic for telling your story and about your tragedy and, and you know, garnering people's emotional support. But at the end of the day, that's all you're going to have is their emotional support. They're not going to buy from you. They don't want to build a long-term relationship with you. They pity you. Right. And that doesn't benefit anybody. That's a downer for them. It's no business for you. But when you can tell a story that says, Here how, here's how I plan to make your life better. Mm -hmm. People love to know how you plan to make their life better because yes. nobody doesn't want their life to be better. And anybody willing to offer help to do that, everybody is on board with that. Now the question is, what's my investment for you to help me make my life better? And once they understand what that's like, they're all in. But it starts with selecting the right story to connect with their heart to begin with. Right, right. That is great advice. That is so true. We definitely want to resonate, especially as entrepreneurs. And maybe we're still building our business and we want to make sure we're connecting not only with the right people, but in the right way that yes. draws them to us and not repels them from us. So yes, I definitely get that. And that makes perfect sense. And the Story Power Masterclass, it sounds like an incredible event, a total deep dive into not only the speaking part, but the psychology behind it. You know, yes. um, Dr. Caroline Leaf uh, was actually a speaker at my church one year, uh, two years <laughs> actually, and listening to her talk about the the impact that the, the, the brain has on all the decisions that get made, the things that happened in our past and how it impacts what we do today, whether it's subconscious or, or not, it, it truly makes a difference in our own current health and our state and that, you know, how we get, plan to get better is, right. is how we, uh, what we do with our mind and our, the way we think and, and that sort of thing. So. <clears throat> now, the hippocampus and the hypothalamus have a direct relationship. One is the memory of stories. The other is secretion of hormones into the body. And so we, the way the body reacts to things is profound. In fact, it's the reason studying Dr. Caroline Leaf is one of the reasons that I teach how dangerous the word picture can be. It, it's because you might have had a certain emotion based on your emotional health, your past experiences, et cetera, et cetera. You may have had a certain emotion in a specific incident in life. And when you try to relay that in a story, you expect that everybody in the audience has exactly the same emotional response to that. And it simply isn't true. My wife was a, my wife was a rape victim at 19. The guy who perpetrated that act wore polo cologne. Before we met, that was my favorite fragrance. Mm. After 28 years of marriage, I haven't owned a bottle of Polo Cologne. 
And when I had a friend from elementary school come to visit us, as he carried his stuff in on the top of the stack was his bottle of Polo Cologne. I said, I'm sorry, buddy, you got to leave that in the car. He's like, well, that's my fragrance. And I said, not this week. Right. You can borrow some of mine. I have 50 different fragrances, but Polo Cologne doesn't work in our house because my wife's subconscious mind still triggers the hormones in her body of a violent attack. Right. And there's nothing good to come out of that. She doesn't have to think about it. It's the right. subconscious. It's the reticular activating system. Yes. The hypo the hypothalamus and the hippocampus working together to do what they're made to do. Unfortunately, people stand on a stage often. They stand in front of a camera and they trigger the same kind of emotional responses in people with words that they choose to use and pictures that they choose to paint. If mm -hmm. you're a great communicator, you've taken the time to ask yourself, is there a chance that what I'm about to say is going to hurt somebody in my audience. Mm -hmm. It may be true to me. It may be the moment that I enjoyed the most. It may be the greatest moment in my life. But if I can't look at it through the facet of another's lens, I may bring pain to them that I don't intend to bring. Right. And you know this, the best form of advertising is word of mouth. Right. But a bad story will get around the earth 10 times before a good one gets its shoes on. Right. Well, and thank you so much for sharing that and and explaining the relationship uh, between our, our memories and, and triggers and things like that. And listening to you share that and you talk about in order for us to be a good communicator, we have to think about how our words basically land on the people in the audience. Yes. That's a huge responsibility. <laughs> That's Teaching a is a huge responsibility. Absolutely it is. Yeah. It's a, it, I mean, and I think about, well, am I responsible for how they receive my words? I, I don't know. Ask Angela Mayu. Yeah. Angela Mayu said, people will forget what you tell them. They'll yeah. even forget what you did. They'll never forget how you made them feel. That's right. Good or bad. Uh, that's exactly right. So yeah. the fact that you become a permanent mark, an indelible mark on their heart, with the words that you choose to use. Now, I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm not responsible for how they react to something and what kind of silliness may or may not be sparked by that. I, I don't set out to trigger people, but if there are people who are just determined to be triggered, determined to be offended, I can't be responsible for how they act afterward. But for me to assume, and you probably have heard people say, well, I'm just being my authentic self. And I'm like, well, no, you're being offensive. Because you didn't ask me if that kind of language was offensive to me, if if using those kind of reference, if dropping the F-bomb in every other word was offensive, you just don't care. Right. You don't care how I feel about it, which means you don't care about whether we do business or not. And, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm a big boy. I can choose to vote with my feet and do business with somebody else. That's right. But if your role in life is to help others, you've got to endear as many friends as you can. And that starts with respecting other humans, the value of humanity. When you yeah. value them, when you see them as a 10, when you give them a fine reputation to live up to, you choose your words carefully so that you don't offend them and build a wall that you can't get past. That's right. Oh, this is so good. That'll preach. That's a whole sermon in itself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is so good. Our words are so powerful. Well, and think about um, it like this. Before yeah. the days of social media, before the days of books, how did we know anything? Hmm. Stories. Yeah. We communicated face-to-face. -face. And when the big EMP, whether it's a solar flare or a Chinese floating balloon, whichever one it is that takes out all of our communications, when social media goes bye-bye, hmm. 
the power will remain in the hands of those who can effectively communicate their ideas and their thoughts. Yes. And that will never change as long as humans are alive. Agreed. As long as there is language, (laughs) we will have stories. Yep. (laughs) Absolutely. So good. So good. So Lauren, um, tell us what the future looks like for you. You've got these amazing classes. You are helping these incredible people. What does the future look like for you? So really, and this sounds a little uh, ambitious, not nearly as ambitious as my friend Pete Vargas, who says he wants to impact a billion lives and be on a million stages and train 100,000 people to do what he does as a, as a, speak, as a speech coach. Um, wow. He has a little different uh, approach than I do, but he's also well on his way. He, is, he has impacted hundreds of thousands of people already and seen millions of lives changed because of what he does through the stages process. And, and I honor him for that. And I don't see him as a competition. We have a different process. But my objective is to train people to lead the narrative in their life. Yes. Uh, my mission is to help people see a story that's different than what they're hearing in the news, what they're hearing from their friends, what they're being told on the playground and in the schoolyard and by the gang activity and the violent crime that surrounds them. My wife and I, this this big move, we had a lot of places we could have chosen when we decided to leave where we are. But to leave the suburbs, we're moving into a community that is 70% single mothers. Oh, Wow. We're moving into a, an area where the predominant income is below the poverty level. Wow. We're moving into an area where every other yard is filled with trash and destroyed homes, not only physically, but emotionally, mentally, and relationally. Because wow. part of our call on this earth is to help restore broken families. Wow. That's 25, 28 years ago before we got married. That was the conversation we had. I asked what her goal was in life, and she asked what my goal was in life, and you thought we were reading from the same cue card. Wow. We had only known each other for weeks, but our goals, our mission in life was the same. We've spent the last 28 years preparing ourselves to do that, and ironically, when we knew that that was our calling and that's where we were going and we were packing up our stuff and moving into this entirely different neighborhood from the suburbs to not so much, mm-hmm. our boys said, can we go? And I'm like, uh, you both have jobs. You're, you're both working on your own lives. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, but this is a chance to make an impact and we'll drive. And they will be driving an hour and a half to work from wow. the new place so they can be engaged in what we're doing. Wow. Maybe I've done something right. I think but if I can look back a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, and have 100 young people looking at us going, our life is different because you came here. Then we've done what we're on earth to do. And I know that a bulk of that will start with, let's not repeat that story again. Let me give you a different one. Mm -hmm. Let me change the story that's in your head. Because when you look in the mirror, like I did, 10 years into my marriage, after 25 years of addiction, I knew I was fat and unlovable. I knew that my wife was going to leave me. I knew there was no hope for our marriage. 10 years in, it was over. And I was wrong. The word she said was, I need you to see you the way I do. I know everything you've done wrong and I've forgiven you. I love you just the way you are. God sent you as a gift to me. And those words saved my life, saved our marriage, changed our destiny, and have only been one more pillar in the foundation of the business that we have and the work that we do. I know that there are parents whose lives are struggling right now. 
And part of it is the story that they're telling themselves in the mirror. And part of it is the story they're telling their kids. We can't afford it. Life will not be like that. You will not be going to college unless you're paying for it yourself. Don't expect a new car when you're 16 because I can't afford it. Mm. And those become what we would call a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's right. Let's change the story. Right. Let's create hope and opportunity. Let's do something different. That's what I'm here for. Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Cannot tell you enough how much I love every single thing you're doing, every single thing you stand for, the lives that you're impacting will live on and will be your legacy. And it is, I'm so grateful to be a part of this journey with you. So I can Lauren, tell you on, on the business side, so much, but... absolutely. Mm -hmm. On the yes, business, on the side, business are, side, please tell me. There are, there are people who are saying, I've got a young business and I sell cookware. I've got a young business and I sell my own books. I've got a young business and we do roofing or land, lawn care or landscaping. And I don't know mm -hmm. why in the world my story would matter to people. Let me answer that question the way Bob Berg would. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. Most people will tell you it takes months, maybe years or decades to build trust. My promise to you through the Story Power Masterclass, whether you do the online version or you come to a live course, which we do every month, the next one is March 25th. We'll have one in April and all the way through 2023. When you come to that class, my promise to you is you'll walk out with the ability within two minutes to build no like, and trust. And I can prove that to you in 90 seconds or less if you have 90 seconds to hear it. I love you it. Want to it. I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> yes, I do want to hear it. Yeah. All right, so I'm, I'm going to prove it for you. Okay. I, I pulled up to the gas station in my SUV <laughs> to fill it up. That takes a minute. It's a big tank. This minivan pulls up on the other side. And as I'm putting my gas in... The driver steps out and starts to put fuel in her car. Now, she is cute as a button, perfect little hair, perfect little pantsuit, perfect little nails. She walks to the back to put the gas in, and I realize that where her wedding ring is supposed to be, there's a ridge, but the ring is gone. I look forward, and through the window, I see two toddlers strapped into car seats. One has shoes on the wrong feet. The other one has, well, no shoes on. Socks are, don't even match, and Cheerios everywhere, and hair everywhere. I look back at the driver, and... As our eyes meet, I realized she's got makeup running down her face. I looked her in the eye and I said, you know, I was raised the only son of a single mom. And then I married one. Can I pray for you? Now, here's what we need to know about that story. The woman on the other side of that gas pump heard two statements and a question. I was raised the only son of a single mom. And then I married one. Can I pray for you? That's the entirety of the story I told her. Now, why did I choose to tell her that story? Because I observe, after all the years I watched my mom doing every day of life on her own, that's where this lady is. I don't know if she lost her husband in a car accident last night or she woke up and found out he's been doing something inappropriate and she left, or if she just forgot her wedding ring at home and now she's upset because she knows she has to go back to the house and she's already late. What I do know is that where she's at right now, she's doing it all on her own. I mentioned my mother and my wife because I'm not trying to hit on her. So what if she's cute? She doesn't need that right now. She's in a vulnerable state. She needs someone 
who sees her right where she is and who cares about her and wants to offer hope. And so that's what I did. I was raised the only son of a single mom. And then I married one. I see you. Can I pray for you? That's it. We can change lives. Now she knows something about me. I understand your plight. She realizes we're similar. No. And like our similarity is profound. And from that is the result of trust. It doesn't take months, decades, or even weeks. And so people who attend my course for the purpose of growing their business learn to find the stories in their own life where they can build no like and trust in a heartbeat. Some of those clients do it online. Some come to the, the Story Power Masterclass live. And some become long-term coaching clients where we'll spend 90 days to six months finding every story in their life that teaches a point that is relative to their business and growing their business and helping their customers. Wow. That sounds like an, a fantastic experience. I can't wait for March 25th. <laughs> honestly, honestly, the Story Power Masterclass Intensive, y'all watching online or listening to the podcast replay, please sign up for this. There is a QR code that we're going to show up show uh, on the screen in just a moment or two, and you'll be able to scan that with your phone. Press pause on the video <laughs> so that you can get that QR code scanned in and sign up for this class. You will not regret it. You will see a difference in your life you'll see a difference in the lives of those who get to cross your path and whose lives you paths you get to cross. So thank you so much for that, Lauren. Such incredible and powerful nuggets of wisdom for uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. <laughs> you just want to try to do life right. <laughs> even even so parents good. would benefit from taking the class. Absolutely. Right, right. Absolutely. And Lauren, if you have that QR code that you want to share, um, that would be fantastic. Press pause, y'all. Press pause. And you'll you'll get the uh, Story Power Journal Starter Kit from this, which will walk you through four steps of how to select and craft your story, how to prepare it for stage, how to connect with people, and how to lead the narrative. Uh, lots of questions. There's even a video that goes along with it that'll explain to you in about 15 minutes or less how you can apply this principle to your life. And if you finish that and realize... I got a lot to learn, then dive in. We'd love to have you either in the online class or live face-to-face. Wow, so good, so good. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, you cannot even imagine how excited I am right now (laughs) about this because I I know it's gonna make a difference. Uh, For me as an entrepreneur, as I continue to work and develop on my craft of communication skills and, and building those relationships with people uh, to develop the, the know, like, and trust, you know, practically instantly, thanks to you yes. and your coaching and leadership. So thank you so much, Lauren. I do appreciate you and your time and the, that's, that you spent with us today. Um, is are, Do you have any closing remarks for us or, uh, that you'd like to share? Any uh nuggets that we can walk away with even more than what we've already been able to enjoy? It, I, I would say this. If you think that you have to tell the whole story of your life and that's what's embarrassing and that's what's holding you back, or you feel like that's not even relevant to my business, what I want you to do is step back. Perhaps put a, they call them strainers. Some people call them colanders. Like you pour the pasta into to get the water out. Mm-hmm. Put that over your face and notice how life looks when you look through one pinhole at a time. 
and realize that those pinholes, those are the microscopic stories. Those are the incidental stories. Those are the moments in time where you learn something. Nobody really cares about your whole life story unless they're family. But every moment that you learn something that someone else can have a shortcut to their success, can find hope, can find beauty in life, and not argue about the presence of their own life in this earth, then you have a treasure to deliver to them. Now, if you can find a way to make other people's lives better, they will pay you to do that. That's a guarantee. That's what free market capitalism is all about. You find a way to make people's lives better, save their time so they don't have to mow the lawn, watch their kids so they can have a date night, put a new roof on their house so their house isn't falling down in the rain, sell a car, build a business, anything you can do that makes someone else's life better, they will pay you to do it. And if you can find the story that explains why you can do that, why you care, why you're passionate about it, and why you're qualified and competent, you will beat the path to success because people will beat the path to your door for you to help them make their lives better. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh my word. I just cannot. I'm I'm so full right now. (laughs) I'm just so full. I just cannot wait to put these things into practice. Yes. We want to change people's lives, make a difference for them, help them, helping other people. That's what matters in life, helping. So thank you, Lauren. You've been amazing. Thank you, Renee. I'm honored honored to be here. That you have graced us, graced this platform with your presence. I hope you have an amazing day and a fantastic week. And I will definitely be signing up for that masterclass. (laughs) I look forward to seeing you, Renee. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Bye. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too.